0: I've been asked by a listener called Tom Boothby uh, whether I could do an episode on flight training in the US. Well, I've eventually got um, a few folks lined up to come on the podcast and chat about their experiences. So episode 33 of Flying Podcast features a fellow Barton flyer called Dave Crozier, who trained in the US some time back. My first question for Dave was, uh, what was your experience of flight training in the USA? And here's what Dave had to say.
1: It was basically about nine years ago now yeah. um, when I went over there. I'd been looking around for a while um, to take flying lessons here at Barton, which is my uh, home air- airfield. And uh, done some training to start with and I thought I was going to run out of time. That was the main reason for looking to actually go abroad. Either run out of time, run out of money, yeah. or run out of enthusiasm, one of them. Um, because for every lesson that I booked, or three lessons that I booked, two of them were cancelled. So I thought, well, why not encompass a nice sunny holiday with some flight training and where better to actually do it than over in the States in terms uh-huh. of cheapness. So that's what made me look towards the States for a flight training organisation. Okay, and presume you looked in the usual places like Florida? Yes, we looked in, uh, in, in all the flyer mags etc and we looked at uh, Florida was obviously one uh, one area, um, but I'd, I'd got a few friends who'd actually been out there and said that uh, the weather's not particularly brilliant out in Florida at the time I wanted to actually go flying. What time of year was, uh, it was uh, I wanted to go somewhere between February and uh, at the end of March there about um, and that uh, they'd actually been out to um, to Florida and out of the three weeks they had been out there then a week and a half they'd been grounded yeah. so the only other solution uh, that I could find was uh, UK flight training which is based over in uh, Long Beach in California and obviously the weather is uh, well 360 flying days a year I think they they actually quoted me uh, which is probably about right yeah, yeah compared with the five that we get here <laughs> oh you must have been here on a good year <laughs> okay so why would someone go and fly a uh, train to fly in, in california well the one of the the primary reason, as far as i was concerned is that i wanted to get a license i didn't want to wait for 18 months or two years and uh, as i say run out of enthusiasm or money uh, so i decided that to actually try and get the whole lot done uh, with a holiday at the same time. And uh, talking to the people up at uh, UK flight, they said, well, yes, we can do it in uh, two weeks, or three weeks, ideally, um, but possibly two weeks. Uh, So they sent me all the information, etc. I decided to actually do the ground school over here in the UK. That was one of the major things uh, that I'm glad I did in retrospect. and the, the, the price as well, the price in terms of, at the, the, at the time in the UK, the equivalent price to actually get a PPL was around about £8,000. And I actually did the full, uh, the full course, including the accommodation, everything bar the, uh, the flight out there, for £3,900. So there's a, there was a huge difference between yep. the two, um, doing it over here
0: and doing it over there not quite as much a, of a, an advantage nowadays i believe
1: maybe not but the biggest advantage i think is the time the fact that you yeah. can fly every day it's continuity and, isn't it yes we all know that you, you become a better flyer uh, by just being able to fly every day yeah. rather than this spending the first half of the next lesson relearning what you've forgotten from the previous yeah, one from two weeks ago yeah, yeah.
0: if you were to uh, be picking a school
1: now what sort of questions do you think you should be asking well, certainly the, ma- the main one, I think, is whether you'd come back with a JAA, JAR license, compliant license. Um, I'd heard lots of, because it was a bit of an unknown territory when I went over there, that uh, you could come back with an FAI license and then the CAA would make it so complex and expensive uh, that effectively you'd have to redo your training again. Yep. Um, so I, I was a bit wary of that. So that, that made my main uh, prerequisite for, for going over there was a JAA JAR license. I was just on this cusp at the time. Uh, the year I did it was at the time when they changed from CAA to JAA. Yeah. So I didn't even know which one I'd get at the time. Um, so that was, th- that was the primary reason uh, for going over there. Obviously cost as well. Yep. Um, that was a, a major thing. And I've, I was self-employed at the time. Um, so being able to actually put the training, flight training in with a holiday was uh, a double bonus as far as I was concerned.
0: Okay. In terms of financial security, I, I read on a lot of the forums that people are
1: paying a lot up front and suffer with
0: with refunds if, if anything yeah. goes wrong. Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd heard a lot of uh, scare stories about that at the, at the time, uh, not mentioning any names or, or any organisations, but I think everybody uh, has read some of them in, in, the, uh, in, in the flying magazines. Um, one of the things which appealed to me was the fact that within all of the UKFT information it was a case of you actually paid as you fly. So uh, you did a few hours and you actually paid for those hours retrospectively Um, So there was no financial risk as far as I was concerned The worst possible thing that could have happened was if I didn't like the flight school Then I'd end up having a two-week holiday with some flying within there, but not come back with the qualification So um, and it turned out to be true. That's exactly what happened. I ended up paying uh, In two lots one the the hours up to when I went solo, I then paid for those uh, It was just over 10 hours and then um, when I actually was ready to actually leave, and uh, well, in fact, just before I did my GFT over there, uh, then uh, I actually paid for the other well, it was thirty odd hours um, of, of flying, um, so that I was more than happy at that.
0: So uh, I, I guess the uh, the caveat here, or the warning to other students, is check these things out before you go.
1: Yes, certainly. I, I would I would not look favourably at anybody who was asking for a large payment up front. Yeah. In general, what items do you think? you should make sure are included
0: in the course obviously certain number of flying hours but that can be a minimum couldn't it 45 hours let's say
1: yeah I mean there was no guarantee that you'd actually get your PPL uh, on there you could have for an extra price you could actually give I could have actually paid an extra amount of money that would have guaranteed me um, uh, effectively the, the qualification to actually to actually pass my GFT um but the problem is, then, you would may well have run out of time. Yep. So it would be okay them saying, okay, we'll give you another 10 hours for the price that mm-hmm. you paid, but I'm back in the UK. That's absolutely no use whatsoever. So I decided to actually take a bit of a flyer. Um, I'd flown hand gliders beforehand i had done gliding, so I, I was fairly confident that I'd be able to actually do it in the 40 hours. Yep. Uh, and as it turned out, I, uh, I actually did it in the 43 hours, so I wasn't that far adrift. Um, but certainly, it's... Um, it, it, it's a worthwhile consideration that, um, you know, in, in terms of what you're actually going to get for your money there's, a, there's an ov- a, a, a nightmare scenario that says that they end up getting a student who's completely useless, promised that you're going to pass you PPL and yeah. he's, he's 150 hours <laughs> and he's still, he's still going, yeah. um, so I, I think they, they, they do have fairly strict limits on, um, on, on the amount of hours that will give you for your money. Yeah, there is a
0: what do they call it when you're on the internet uh, a fair usage policy yes
1: I think that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the <laughs> nicest way to actually put it yeah. yeah
0: what sort of things should you expect to pay for as extras do you think when you're going to, over there accommodation sometimes included sometimes yeah like? well
1: um, when I went over the first couple of nights there were in a hotel uh, which was very very nice but that was above and beyond what The first night was included within the the course fee. And then I decided to actually stay at the hotel and then decided after a couple of nights that maybe that wasn't the right thing to actually do. And within the price um, was the uh, ability to be able to actually go and room uh, with one of the families of the instructors, yep. which was very, very nice. Uh, and I thought, well, this sounds to be quite good, because at the end of the day, you can totally immerse yourself if you're going to do a lesson the next day and you're not sure of what's going on, then you effectively you'll be living with one of the instructors and, you know, become good buddies, uh, in effect as we did yep. uh, on there. So I, that was actually very, very good and something I had not foreseen beforehand. Um, and it was it's like another mo- method of learning at the end of the day. Uh, and I'd s- certainly recommend that if, it, if, it's, uh, st- if it's available to you. Okay. Do you happen to know whether you should take out additional
0: e- insurance, let's say you have an accident? Yes.
1: I took out um, personal cover um, because your normal travel insurance Uh, Does not cover private flying. Um, So if you specify that when you're taking out your insurance, yeah, they'll they'll specifically exclude ab initio training. Um, If you go over there as a as a qualified PPL, then uh, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Um, But I decided to actually take out a separate insurance policy. It wasn't too expensive. Mm -hmm. Then it was I think it was about ninety pounds at the time and. thankfully didn't have to use it but uh, I read through all the small print and it seemed to actually cover every eventuality uh, things that could actually go wrong because obviously being in the States uh, medical bills can be absolutely horrendous I didn't want to be stuck over there bankrupt and (laughs) and (laughs) and in my hospital bed. (laughs) Uh, So
0: in your opinion other schools offer JAA training in the in the USA of a generally high standard?
1: Well, I can really only go by um, a couple of schools, which I've actually flown with. Uh, one, obviously, the UKFT school, and uh, the other, which was uh, Ormond Beach. And um, I must admit that they weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think both organizations would actually admit that to uh, you, if they were honest. Um, they weren't slick operations, as we would actually say. They were a little bit rough and ready at the edges. But then again, uh, you're not paying commercial rates for them. So, the one thing they they both had was infectious enthusiasm for flying, (laughs) and instructors who were very very willing to pass on all the knowledge and just wanted to fly. Uh, I know it's changed a little bit because now instructors tend not to they tend to be career instructors as opposed to people going on for the commercial exams um but uh, i happened to actually start off with an instructor who wasn't particularly brilliant and i did two hours with him and we were obviously not going to get on and the one thing that the uh, the guy who runs ukft who's a gentleman called aj said is if you don't like your instructor don't get on with your instructor then don't persevere because if there's a class of personalities then really you need to actually get it sorted so i changed the instructor because it was effectively somebody sat next to me just blank not giving anything back to me. And I ended up with uh, an instructor called Chad who'd been a seat-of-the-pants flyer from the age of about 10 when he'd been flying his father's steam and solo, uh, I'm sure, because yeah. he'd was such he just been brought up. with fly, He had flying in the blood. And uh, we built a great rapport, and I think that's probably the most important thing you can actually do. Suss out your instructor and speak up and make sure you have the right person because you're going to be with them for 40-odd hours or they're you know, up to 40-odd hours. And if you don't get on with them, then it can be a, a total waste of time and money. Yep how would people nowadays find out which school to go
0: to because I have mean, read various things and some schools are regularly I think
1: obviously word of mouth um but sometimes Sorry? word of mouth isn't 100 um, mm-hmm. percent there are lots of scare stories I've heard stories about UKFT yep. um, that are, and not derogatory but they don't come out in a, in a, in a good light um, but I think most of it is to actually uh, just test opinion from more than one person or organisation. Yeah. There's obviously write-ups um, within the forums yeah. and uh, and the flying magazines, um, and talk to people who've actually been on the course. Don't take third party. Yeah. Um, Chat uh, And invariably, I think, if you actually speak to somebody who's physically been on the course, they'll actually give you the, uh, the rights and the wrongs and the goods and the bads. Yeah. And as I say, my, my uh, experience wasn't 100% positive. There were lots and lots of bad things, but there was lots of good things and they totally outweighed all the bad things on the course. Yeah.
0: Uh, with UKFT, what sort of a airport are you
1: training at? Is it a busy international type, <laughs> a grass strip? Well, well, when I when I applied and uh, spoke to the guy over here over in the UK who does all the all the bookings, etc., very nice gentleman, um, and he said, it's a, you'll be flying at." Uh, Fairly small airfield in America, uh, in California (laughs) Basin, uh, called Long Beach. I said, Oh, yes, fine. Well, my idea of a small airfield is Barton. Uh, You know, Uh. that's where I've been brought up. (laughs) So when I arrive somewhere, and it's the size of Gatwick, um, (laughs) it's where they actually make the C5 style lifter, where they actually service the jumbos. I wouldn't really consider that to be a small <laughs> airfield. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the expression is, I was in with the big boys from day one. And what sort of aircraft would you be training on? Uh, started uh, the training on uh, 152. Uh, they They specifically i have 152s rather than 150s because of the extra 10 horsepower that, that yeah. helps with, uh, I think the expression is lardy houses if, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you fit that category. Technically, yeah. um, um, but then I actually changed over for the the latter end of the course to a 172 because it was just comfier to actually fly uh, and I wanted a little bit more experience and to be quite honest the difference on the hourly rate uh, was marginal at yeah. that stage. So usually they'll build into the cost
0: 152? Yes, standard cost to
1: 152, yeah. Okay. Are there any landing fees you should
0: be looking out for? Absolutely
1: not. Everywhere in the U- in the U.S. you can actually fly to uh, and land for nothing. There are no charges whatsoever. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was the case over here? Wouldn't it, though? But yeah. Yes. Uh, a tricky one, this. I've, I've read up on the forums about exactly
0: what sort of license you get in the U.S. People say there's no such thing as a JAR-compliant
1: PPL that you can get in, in the States. What sort of license did you get? Yeah, I think I th- there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of confusion. Um, when I actually went over there, you, you're actually I was given at the time what was known okay. as a temporary airman certificate. Which is an FAA uh, license. Which is an FAA license, yeah, right. a, 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 an ab initio license. Uh, and then you actually fly under the auspices of that. Um, but you actually forego, well, you actually do the full CAA syllabus in terms of all the standard um, lessons. As per the CAA yep. uh, and etc., and effectively, then, when you actually get past, uh, take your GFT, you are taking a CAA GFT. Um, I actually took mine, even though I actually failed subsequently, with AJ. Um, And uh, he's a qualified CAA examiner. So to all intents and purposes, you've been examined by somebody with a CAA, JAA, JAR uh, qualification. So at that stage, when your logbook signed off, then uh, I had the option of actually going for an FAA. But I hadn't done any ground school, yep. um, so th- I didn't want to do that. Uh, it was a case of coming back to the UK, applying to the CAA, and then actually getting the... Well, in fact, I actually subsequently took a GFT when I arrived back in the, U- in the UK and, and passed it. Right. Um, and then applied to the uh, CAA, and the standard license was issued as okay. normal. Okay. Is there an option to take the CAA ground school, or JAR ground school exams in the US, or...? do you have to do those over here? No, uh, I, the standard course was to actually take and included in, uh, in the price that I actually paid was all the um, CAA ground school exams uh, and therein lies a tale because I decided and I'm very glad that I did um, not to actually do the ground school in the US um, I, I actually took a effectively a crammer course of uh, four or five days over in the UK, passed them all over the four or five days. Uh, so when I, wa- when I actually went flying, it was nice because I didn't have any exams to yeah, do, any studying to do. So I could just concentrate on the flying and the lesson for the next day or the afternoon, etc. And um, if I had have had to actually do the exams over there, even though it was included in the cost, I can honestly say I would never have actually got them. Yeah. Uh, I think the pressure of actually doing exams and flying at the same time over a two week period. Would have been too much, far, far too much. And uh, I'd recommend that if anybody was to go flying in the US, then get the exams sorted out with over here, uh, yeah. and then it's one tick on the box, and then you're three quarters of the way there. Obviously, you've then got the restriction of, of only having the 12 months to actually get the flying in, but yep. I mean, you should do that should within do. The, yep. with the period of time anyway. Okay,
0: am I right in thinking just by the by that the FAA just have the one exam as opposed to? Yes, but, uh, well, they did do it at the
1: time. I think that's still exactly the same, but it's more of a composite exam and everything's broken down. At, but you're examined at, of everything at the same time. OK. Uh, I thought we've covered the accommodation, but
0: usually accommodation of some sort is included in, in these... Yes, it might as I courses. say, it might be
1: fairly basic. You've you effectively rooming
0: with uh, with a family. Right. And you should really check out what extras are included... Uh, can you upgrade your accommodation these are all options yeah absolutely might to to i support. mean
1: i was very very lucky and everybody else who who, who did the rooming as well uh we in that um what what actually happened is that um if you actually were willing to actually give a, a small contribution to the family that you were staying with then yep. you actually got all the meals as well Perfect. so it was a double-edged thing really it was it was like home from home in fact i didn't want to leave <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh, I think you, you mentioned already that uh, once you had got your license over in the States, you were then able to go flying immediately because you had a, an airman certificate, an FAA airman certificate, so you could have rented an aircraft and, and gone off. Did you do that?
1: No, I didn't. I, I actually came back to the UK, um, got my GFT and went straight back uh, over to California. And then um, I actually rented an aircraft and we spent two weeks flying around California f- Started off um, by my my instructor who who'd given me all the te- all the teaching. He actually recommended a friend of his to go to fly to. We flew to his ranch and then we spent two weeks just taking the aircraft from ranch to ranch. Flew round the Hoover Dam, uh, Grand Canyon. At, at the time, there were very few restrictions on flying around the, the Grand Canyon there are now um, but it was just superb so again over that two week period we didn't pay for any accommodation we just flew from friend to friend um, lots of them who I still uh, in contact with and brilliant, um, brilliant. then it was just brilliant and we didn't we weren't even charged for the aircraft we were just if we filled it with sure. fuel oh. yeah this I mean, is a UKFT uh, aircraft or 172 was it uh, it w- yes, it was. It was. It was. It, w- it could have been either a UK FT, FT aircraft, or it could have actually been one of the. There's quite a few schools there, uh, and they all tend to use the, each other's aircraft. Right. Um, so it was. It was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, a, and a cheap flying, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Did you actually fly across LAX airspace? I believe that's quite true. <laughs> <our experience. laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, while you're actually flying in the California basin, then uh, you, you, you basically... You, it's non-stop radio. That takes an awful lot to actually get used to, and it's comp- if you, anybody who says it's easy to fly in the states has never ever flown over in the states. It's entirely totally no. different. The RT isn't it? Absolutely. I it takes you about it takes you a day to get into it. It's the speed of which it comes to you, Oops. and they take no prisoners. Uh, it's no good saying you're a student <laughs> or that you're a, a crazy Brit. Um, you know, you've got to be on really on the ball, and uh, they have what's called flight following over there, which is the. Uh, the equivalent of our, um, well, have to, not, there isn't really an equivalent. But basically, no, no. It's, it's like having a radar advisory service, to yep. all intents and purposes. They will take care of your separation, etc. Um, but you've really, as I say, you've really got to be on the ball. And I was actually going on uh, one of the cross-country flights, and I'd, I had a tailwind at the time in both directions, and uh, coming back to Long Beach, and I had another 20 minutes to actually make up. So uh, I thought, well, you know they've all said that we can fly in anywhere here so how about a- lax in my logbook? uh so i gave a call over to lax and uh lo and behold yes they gave the joining instructions and yeah. so i'm there and my little <laughs> it was only 152 uh landing at lax uh with jumbo stacked behind us and i actually landed a pinpoint landing right on the numbers 100 percent and then i, I get to as you will do if you ever fly in the States, you'll get, hey dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, what do you mean what I'm doing? I've landed on the numbers, perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. landing. Yeah. He said, well, yeah, your exit route's about two and a half miles up the runway. <laughs> you <laughs> might as well fly up fly So down. he said, yeah. take off again, he yeah. said, and fly up to the far end <laughs> before crazy, you come off. Yeah. So I actually did that, and uh, I obviously didn't have a ground plan, because I'd not been prepared for going into LAX, uh, and it's just like a city there um, so he gets onto the taxiway I got totally lost so I ended up with this big limo with a follow me sign yeah, being yeah, sent out yeah, for me yeah. and then I was parked between a couple of jumbos under the wing and uh, then invited up um, for tea and a coffee and given a tour of the uh, the air traffic control up there oh, yeah. Yeah. and they were absolutely brilliant and then uh, i was expedited out as they say they like the word expedited if well, you're out in you. The <laughs> uh, yeah please yeah. go yeah. and uh Took off, I was expedited past all the jumbos waiting there. uh, Took off, and the final comment was We always have a limey every year who (laughs) wants to get LAX in his logbook, and this year you're You're the one. Brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) But I mean, you'd no chance. It it was like the equivalent of going into uh, London Heathrow, which you just Mm -hmm. wouldn't even, they wouldn't even give you. Breathing space, yeah. um, but it was a great experience. So now I've got LAX in Malampul, superb,
0: which is good. Much as much as they do not take any prisoners, they are extremely friendly, aren't they?
1: What do you they think? are. Yes. Yeah. Um, they will try and help you as much as possible. I know on my second solo. I was actually, um, I'd done a, couple of, uh, done a couple of circuits, and s- as I, sa- I said to you before, the C5 Galaxies actually fly out of Bang- Long Beach, and uh, they're co- the heavy traffic, as they call it. And uh, we were re- actually using the cross runway, and this C5 Galaxy had actually taken off, and uh, we'd been told about uh, weight turbulence uh, as we were actually in the circuit for the cross runway. And uh, I'm coming in, lined up on the numbers, cut the power, and then all of a sudden i hear this call for somebody for um for a departure and i'm listening intently and yeah. uh, if you've ever seen the beginning of mash where the at uh, the other one side of the hill a helicopter actually arises in front yeah, yeah. it was just like that and this helicopter appeared in front of me um much to my <laughs> fear and yeah. trepidation yes. and i'm thinking oh god no what do i do here he called for clearance not got the clearance but decided that he he had had it Uh, he saw me I saw him I remember seeing the whites of his eyes and I'm thinking well do I take it do I take my wheels off with his rotors and then he dies and I just belly flop or whatever anyway as it turned out um, he saw me first oh he he got away first and he actually disappeared by this time my perfect approach has now been messed up considerably and having been told that there's weight turbulence there I decided to actually do a go around so it's full power isn't it? Uh, pitch the nose up full power, and I get to about 200 feet, and I hit this wake turbulence. And I remember seeing the airspeed <laughs> indicator on 60 knots suddenly becoming zero, and it was as fast as that. Um, so it was a case of stuff the nose down. I'm now heading towards a Learjet that's being refuelled on the apron, and two guys there ran <laughs> they thought i was going to kill them uh, i managed to actually pick the aircraft up with uh, shall we say a minimum amount of altitude free um got back round and the, all the time the the, uh, the controllers obviously very intently listening and his, his comment was uh, i guess you'll need to make sure that the bathroom's clear and that the next one will be a full stop <laughs> but they had a good laugh about it afterwards yeah. but um, I believe you had an interesting experience flying up the coast. Oh yes. Well, that was a nice thing about flying in the states. Uh, Was I was I was due to do a qualifying cross country down there, and I'd done the route with my instructor. a couple of days before and it was just dead simple navigation you just keep the green stuff on your left yeah, yeah. and the blue stuff on yeah, your right yeah. uh flying down the coast and we we'd gone through the equivalent of of our max areas and uh, obviously during the week there was no, no problem whatsoever and uh came to actually ask for the equivalent of max penetration and uh, i was just given the answer no uh, no, no, you can't do this, <laughs> I'm on a cross, well, yeah. qualified you know cross-country, uh, yes, I'm, I'm British <laughs> for God's sake. Um, so yeah. the guy said, well, we can vector you out to sea for about six, seven miles. He said, um, that's the only way we can get you through the maps. Uh, I said, well, I haven't got any life-saving equipment or anything like that, I haven't got life jackets, nothing, not been prepared to go out there. He said, oh, no, he said, don't worry, he says, take a look to your right-hand side, he said, what do you see? And I said, well, lots of ships out there. He says, yeah, he says, well, he said, "Um, what do you specifically see? right in the middle of it I said a very big ship well I'm not I'm not a nautical (laughs) man myself and he said well yes it's the USS Nimitz uh, which for those of you who don't know is one of the largest aircraft carriers if not the largest aircraft carrier he said I'm going to vector you over them he said but Supervisor, and this is like this is just chatting like we are now. It's not. It's not RT speed. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. I, I want you to be up at five thousand feet, no less than five thousand feet. he gives me the equivalent of the Q and, of the QNH. Uh, he said and I want you to stick there. He said, you route straight over the top. He said, now two things. He said, I don't want you feigning engine out just so you can get the USS Nimitz in <laughs> <and> your <one-pack>. log. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and seeing as I'd actually been practicing on Flight Simulator the couple of days before landing on a carrier deck, yeah, I thought, well, yeah. maybe I might yeah. be able to do it. wonder that. how low I'd, so I'd get. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But I decided against that. <coughs> and uh, the other thing he said is, no, under no circumstances, less than 5,000 feet. So I'm trolling along, and I've got some lovely pictures of the USS Nimitz underneath yeah. me, flying over it. And I yeah. get over it, and I'm starting to just depart away from it. And all of a sudden, I see black yes, puffs of smoke underneath me. And I screamed down the RT. they're shooting at me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. I know, oh I God. know. He says, uh, it's all right, don't panic. They're all set to go off at 3,000 feet. <laughs> he says, so that's why I asked you to stop at 5,000 feet. And as I say, it's all really just friendly banter and chat on there. So uh, I don't know whether I'm the only... English person ever to have been fired at by the USS Nimitz, but uh, he did say that I was cheaper than a drone and a lot more fun, and that if they were to score a direct hit, then it would actually give a lot, of, uh, a lot of practice to the guys to actually recover me back from the sea. So it was altogether a very, very interesting flight. Nice to know we come in handy for our American brethren. Well, that's right, the special bond between yeah, us and the yeah. America. I didn't charge them anything either, so...
0: Right, well, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for your experience today. Okay, Dave. no problem. A very entertaining and informative interview from Dave Crozier there. Hopefully, I'll have one or two more episodes on this subject. It certainly seems to be an old chestnut for discussion on the various flying forums that I've looked at. Dave's training in the US may have been some time ago, but um, much of what he has to say is still valid today. A theme that I think will be repeated on these US flight training podcasts is always do your homework and speak to as many people as possible about their first-hand experiences. Please remember to support the podcast in a small financial way by buying anything you need, such as aviation books, DVDs, or indeed anything, even Christmas presents, via the Amazon links on the Flying Podcast website. That's www.flyingpodcast.co.uk. And thanks to all those folks who have done just that, it all helps to offset the cost of producing the podcast. Well, that's it for episode 33 of Flying Podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can, of course, email me on the usual address at steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again soon.